You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. So I am currently serving as a teaching pastor and pastor of leadership development at Seacoast Church with Pastor Greg Surratt. But before that, I planted a church in St. Louis um, that grew uh, rapidly. Uh, We had six campuses, um, about 5,000 people. Our biggest room held 500 people with 70 parking places. Uh, We were in urban context, and God just did amazing things. And um, but in that whole process, I got super unhealthy and had to forfeit the opportunity to lead that church and. It was part uh, my sin and part uh, not having the right governance. So, hey, brother. So this topic is super, um, super important for me because I want all of you um, to have, you know, the right governance. You're never going to have the perfect governance because the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how to govern our churches. I don't know if you've read the book of Acts yet. We don't have, we don't have clear descriptions, but what we do have is some wisdom from current church history uh, that guides us and, ha- and helps us. So that's kind of where we'll go. So we'll talk a little bit, and then we'll do some Q&A. So, Pastor Dino, what are you thinking? Sounds good. Everybody's doing well? I was just in a meeting about church government. <laughs> it never stops. I-, I was telling someone that I, I spend about uh, a third of my time um, probably dealing with like resources and money and churches navigating that, and pastors navigating that, church planners and different things. And probably another third of my time, uh, um, you know, talk, just building the art world, family connections, things like that. But a third of the time is dealing with the government or dealing with the lawyers. And uh, you better have a good lawyer. Uh, and so just dealing with authority and dealing with uh, as the church changes, as you transition your church how you've got to navigate those pieces because those are, those are sometimes pieces that are very concrete. They're not as much Play-Doh like, you know, how we can adjust a weekend service. You can't adjust your government like a weekend service. So spend a lot of time doing that. And, um, and, I, and it's just something that just keeps popping up of how you navigate good, healthy, biblical church government as the churches change, as the church changes, whether that's in the dynamic of now we're multi-site or we are now growing, or we are transitioning it, our church from a, into a newer model or a newer expression. So a lot of those things take place. Um, and, and knowing that a lot of times, you know, I, I know when I started Healing Place, it was just me. It was just me. And then I realized a couple of years into it, i got to have some other people on board with me. And who do I pick? And, and what about if you pick wrong or you pick somebody and you realize a year into it, man, you, you've picked a, a rogue guy. So there's just all those things that you work through. So Darren and I have spent a lot of time talking about this. We've done a few little podcasts on it. Darren's got a ton of experience. And then, and then also all that you're learning now with Seacoast, which has healthy government, and uh, which does, does a, a fantastic job. And so one of the things about an ARC app is uh, we love an interview, we love some teaching, and then we love some Q&A. So uh, I'm going to let Darren teach for a few minutes. You've got a great handout, and then I'll do some I'll ask him some questions, and then whatever I don't cover, then uh, you, you ask those questions. And then uh, if we don't have any questions, then we can ask ourselves questions because we're still trying to figure things out. 
don't know if you talk to yourself. I talk to myself a lot. But uh, thanks a lot for being here. So, Dan, why don't you teach for a few minutes yeah. and, and help us do some things. So ju- just the idea, um, how many of you are new to ARC world or even the way the government is going to raise your hand? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I found it helpful to maybe do a physical demonstration. Um, so if I could have, um, <clears throat> could I have you four just stand over there real quick? Okay. Yeah. You, you're right up here. You four in the first two rows. Okay. Okay. Have you two guys then uh, you guys just stand in line like that. And then, um, I need him. Yeah, no, you're, you're perfect. Okay. Um, well, let's go like this. Let's go like this, this way, this way, this way, this way. There we go. Okay. You two guys, uh, you stand right here. All right. Um, I like this. You two guys, you stand right here, right in front, right here. You two. You two, yeah. No, she's bearded, bearded ones. Bearded ones. Bearded it's the ones bearded right brothers. Right. Yeah, right, right there. Here. Yeah. Facing which way? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. All right, so, so the idea is that Senior Pastor Dino um, and Mr. Lynn are the senior pastors of the church. And so... Um, Actually, let's do this. Let's get on Dino's level just a little bit, you two, okay? Just, but not quite on Dino's level. Let's just kind of go right here. Okay. And then you kind of go right here. All right, so the idea is that Dino has a leadership team, a senior pastor leadership team. These are the staff that help lead the church, okay? Dino hires them. Dino fires them. These guys over here are called trustees, and so they do your finances, policies, procedures, facilities, all that kind of stuff. They're not on staff. They're great businessmen and women in your church who love the church, that are for the church. And so this is your, if you want to call them your staff elders, and maybe if you want to use the word non-staff elders. These guys over here are your overseers. Your overseers are senior pastors or have been senior pastors. Preferably, they've got some miles on the tires. Yeah. They've been around the block. All right? So if there is a problem over here, if two of these people say, Dino's going crazy... He's off, you know, he's leading us astray. There's an appeal process for them after trying to work it out with Dino and probably involving some staff to go to the overseers and say, hey, we, we've got some concerns about Pastor Dino. So then at that point, the overseers can step in and try to resolve that conflict. They have no authority unless it is at such loggerheads between these teams that it just can't function, and then they actually are given authority to solve this issue. Same over here. Let's say two of these folks on the senior pastor leadership team have a challenge, a problem, and they can't work it out. The same thing. So any two from this team or this team can appeal up. So what this model does, this model protects the church from the pastor, okay, if the pastor gets crazy. But what it also does is it protects the pastor from the church. Yeah. <laughs> In case there's a coup from within or in case there's, you know, just un- unfounded accusations, gossip, that, those kind of things. And so what these folks do, these overseers, is they serve to really protect the church from the pastor and the pastor from the church. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to teach through this. Save your question, brother. What, what, what's your question? Why are they seated? Get seated. What's your question? I was going to ask, uh, who gave the overseers authority? So the so um, so so the the bylaws state that the senior pastor gets to pick the overseers, and the overseers can be removed one a year. Can't be all be fired at once. Can be removed one at one one every year if needed. Similar to that. Yep. 
a little more spiritual. Yeah. And that's what I'll show you right here. So if you look at your, um, <clears throat> if you look at your handout, you know I make a statement that the, spirit, the spiritual condition of your soul before God and your forward progress of your leadership with your church is directly connected to the character, wisdom, and skills of your overseers and your and your leaders, elders, pastors, whatever you call them. So you want to choose them based on this. Now, we're thinking about overseers specifically here. Their character, their chemistry, their competence, and their capacity. One of the challenges is to actually find these overseers that actually have time because most of them are pastoring their own churches. So, you know, you got you to really consider that. And so one of the things that we're kind of promoting um, – in ARC and trying to figure out how to, to, to inculcate this to everyone is, what if every overseer had a specific role? Yeah. So what if you chose an overseer? And if you look, these are just examples. That was a counseling overseer. So their whole thing is they're getting into your soul. You're, you, you know, the senior pastor, the wife, the co-pastors, however it's working. They're there. They're counsel. They're skilled there. They have passion there. What if you had an overseer like that? What if you had an overseer who's really good at finances and could help you scale your church as it grew, right? They're kind of down the line. They just have that mindset. What if you had an overseer who was really passionate about your family? They're really dialed into your kids. Maybe they've raised a bunch of their own kids and they're older and they know what it's like to be a pastor's kid. Maybe the, you know, the, they're really akin to just your wife's needs, really connected. Maybe the wife of the overseer. What if you looked at it that way? What if you had an overseer who was just system structure, awesome, uh, you know, understood assimilation, leadership development, that kind of thing? Um, so it's just an idea. These aren't like hard and fast rules. But instead of having this glob called overseers, what if you actually pick them based on their skill set is the idea? Does that make sense? And then they're then <clears> – <throat> So here's some common mistakes that you can make, and, and I've seen these made with people who use the model. Nepotism. This isn't where you fail to diversify your team. You just choose your buddies. Now, you don't need to have people on your overseer team that you don't enjoy. That's that chemistry piece. You want to enjoy them. But a mistake you can make is just getting all your buddies on there and you and, and, and basically not really um, – not really having people with wisdom to speak in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Nobody's going to ever tell you no. Um, you don't want a overseer that's always telling you no or, or, or always negative, but you don't want just somebody on there that's going to go, oh, yeah, that's fine, or, so, or disconnect. Does that make sense? Isolation. This is where you fail to communicate with your overseers. It's just dealing with a situation with a pastor and all kinds of stuff is going on. He's signing notes. On property, he's announcing it on Instagram, and one of his overseers called me. He's like, "Hey, uh, do you know about this?" I'm like, "No, I'm not an overseer," but he's like, "Yeah, I'm an overseer. And this is news to me. That's a problem." So you have to communicate with your, or you have to be meeting with them every month, or even every, you know, maybe not even every quarter, but there needs to be communication with them. Uh, segregation, third danger. This is where you fail to connect your overseers to the life of the church. Ideally, your your overseers are preaching, they're doing staff meetings, they're known to your staff and to your church so that, God forbid, if something were to happen and you have to bring them in into some kind of discipline situation, 
people in the church are like, who's that guy? They actually know. They've been taught. They've been encouraged. They've been trained. Sometimes you'll only get two out of four of your overseers that can do that because you've got a pastor from back in the day and he lives in Idaho, right? So he's not going to be in all the time, but at least get a couple of those overseers around as much as possible. Maybe the guy in Idaho can only come once every two years. You get what I'm saying? But the more they're connected to the life of the church, the more safe you are because they will come in and see things. And they'll be like, hey, what about that staff person? That looked a little weird in the meeting. Or, hey, I noticed you're not taking a day off. Or, hey, I noticed your wife's countenance um, when we were having dinner. Hey, how are your kids doing, right? You're just inviting them in um, to kind of be kind of a pastor to you, right? And if they're never there, how can they do that? Make sense? The last one is abdication. Um, And that's, and I've seen this too, and I know you have, Pastor Dino, like where the leader just basically abdicates and lets the overseers kind of have too much authority in the local church. They do not have authority according to the way we do bylaws and art. They don't have any authority unless there's a, a huge conflict or a discipline issue. But what young pastors tend to do is they tend to sometimes give authority to that group and let that group drive vision. They're not there to drive vision. They're, helped, they're there to help support your vision. They're not there to, to develop your leaders. They're there to help you develop your leaders. Does that make sense? They're not there to run your, your building program, money. They're there to help you. But it's really easy uh, at times to advocate because you're freaked out, you're young, you don't know what you're doing, and that guy's done it. You know, So you just kind of got to be wary of those things. So some of the qualifications, um, and then Dino can start asking questions. We can ask, because I know we need time for Q&A here. <clears throat> These are just some of the things we see in First uh, Timothy 3, Titus 2. So the actual word that's translated in a lot of translations in First Timothy 3, 1, overseer, literally means to look after, to consider, to examine, to provide covering for. Um, in ancient Greek, it was a guardian. It was someone who was like a controller, a ruler, a manager. That's the word that's used there. And that they're above reproach. And I think, I think Paul, when he gives these lists in the New Testament, a lot of times the first thing he says on the list is the title yeah. for everything that he's describing. Like you look at 2 Timothy 4, he says in the last day, or 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. And then he goes and describes all yeah. this crazy stuff. Well, the lover themselves is the title. Well, I think above reproach is the title. So it's not perfection, okay? It, what we're talking about here is people who have demonstrated maturity in these areas. Um, they're a one-woman kind of person or a one-man kind of person. They're, they're devoted to their spouse, right? So it doesn't, it's not talking about divorce. It's talking about the, the emotional connection and spiritual and, and even um, you know, sexual, social connection to their spouse. You want someone who has a good marriage, in other words, in this role, um, because a lot of these overseers, they're going to help you when you have marriage problems. Yeah. <clears throat> and let me say it again. When you have marriage problems. Yeah. You know how you know if you're going to have marriage problems, right? You're married. And, yeah. you're, and if that one doesn't work, you're a pastor. <laughs> you're going to have marriage problems. And so you need somebody there that's got a, a growing marriage. Um, you're sober-minded, right? So not led by emotions, lust, rash behavior. Really the emotional life of the leader. You don't want an overseer who is emotionally unstable. You don't want an, you don't want an overseer 
who has uh, who's like a one item voter, and they see everything through one filter and one grid. That's good. You don't want that because that's how they're going to help you. Because you're literally picking the people that you're wanting to influence you spiritually, emotionally, financially, maritally, right? Um, you want them self controlled. Um, not easily distracted. That's kind of what this word means. So you want them to have a degree of focus. If they're like ADD all over the place, sure, I'll be your overseer. Then they said yes to seven other people. Not a good move, right? Because they won't be there when you need them, and you won't be able to build a relationship with them to trust them um, when you need them. Um, The next word is respectable. Just an idea of a well-ordered life. This all works for us too, by the way, if you want to check off these for yourself. Um, you know, able to able to handle complexity. <clears throat> That's the one great thing about an overseer who's built something. They have handled complexity. You're getting ready as a church planner to get into some complexity that you have never experienced in your entire, entire life. And you want somebody like that. They're hospitable. And that doesn't mean they like church potlucks. It means they welcome strangers. You want people who love lost people. Right. If you want to be a church that's going to reach lost people, it'd be nice to have an overseer that had one. Yeah. Able to teach, not a drunkard. These are these are pretty not violent. Right. Um, you don't want people laying hands on you know congregants in a non biblical way. Right. So don't want anybody doing anything violent. Um, gentle. They're willing to yield. They don't always have to have their way. They're not quarrelsome. Um, they're not lovers of money. They manage their own household. All these things um, help us not only pick leaders, not only give us a checklist for our own hearts, but especially as we consider the overseers. I think the quality of your overseer really impacts the quality of your own leadership. And you might have to settle for a time. In other words, you've got to put your church together. You need some. And you need to have some people that maybe not are long-term, but you're always looking for that older spiritual father. And if you can get them in your their 60s, do it. If you can find someone who has built churches and loved pastors and loved their wife for a lot of years, that's ideal. Um, you can't always get that, but that's the ideal piece. All right, so let's uh, awesome. interview and do some questions. Yeah, what's interesting to me is, you know, I can remember we started we started a church and um, we just kind of copied and pasted some, some, some bylaws and some ideas. Um, <clears throat> And and we didn't know I didn't know how we were going to grow, and I and and and, and we grow different and, and we grow in different ways, and so I can remember it's like when we had a child, some people bought us some three to six months clothes, and there were some that were wise enough to buy us some twelve to to, to, to two two year old to kind of get us a little room, and um, you almost need some bylaws and some government that has a little bit of room that you can do that. And I think within our, whether you're planning a church or existing church, what we found out is sometimes you're starting with a, a very, a, a smaller fit, uh, a, you know, a, a three month, but you know that you're going to get to, eventually that child is going to grow and you want it to be flexible enough to, to move into that. And I, I always tell planners, don't start in the three-year-old or don't start at the 12-year-old. That's t- it's too cumbersome. You can't do anything. But, but you need to have something. Let me ask you a couple of questions as we get this. What do you think is the difference between good and bad government that you see today in churches? Or maybe you experienced yourself. Yeah. Well, I built, you know, a whole network called, called Acts 29 back in the day yep. on this idea that 
your governance needed to all, like you had a first among equals. So the pastor was the first among equals, and then you, then you had a combination of lay guys and staff guys, and they were it. And, um, but what happens there is the non-staff elders, to expect them to keep up with all of the stuff that happens around church is impossible if they have these things called lives <laughs> and families and jobs and little kids. They just can't keep up, but then they're responsible for everything. So then people in the church start coming to them, like, what about that decision? What about this? And they're like, well, I didn't know about that. Well, yeah, because you can't possibly keep up with every single thing. You become like a communications director rather than a pastor trying to keep up with all that. That's so good. So I think think a mistake is to expect, I'll just say it this way principally, to expect too much out of lay people to cover too much covering, right? Right. Um, and then I think the other one is, and this, you know, is if the only or, uh, the only authority is the staff in which the pastor can fire everybody. That's a that's a that's a recipe. Yeah, that's a recipe for a dictatorship. Yeah. And so you 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 want to avoid if you want to call it, you know, this is a bad choice of words, but you don't want the inmates running the asylum, okay? And you also don't want the pastor. Um, only having yes people around him or people he can fire. So I think the somewhere in between. Yeah, you want a balance of accountability, yeah. but letting the pastor Did lead. Did you feel like, because I, I was talking about this with the other guy, there's a guy who had a little bit of that uh, model. And, and, and I said, well, how, how deep are you? It's like 17 people. Yeah. And I thought, that's probably not healthy based on a growing, moving church to have that many people in that world of, and, and, and there was no end in sight for him. No. I mean, he, he could have, it could have went to 30 based on the, the, the math, the math. And, and have you seen that sometimes where it's like, well, that's, there needs to be some, some, uh, some, some reality of numbers yeah. when you start getting into these things. I know Highlands PC has some numbers where it's, you know, they have five trustees you know, we have nine staff elders, mm-hmm. and then there's um, uh, five overseers. He does not ex- plan on expanding that. Yeah. He could if he wants, but he keeps it in those. He just feels like those are good numbers. I know there are a lot of different numbers we can pick. What do you speak to that for a second? I like what obviously Pastor Chris is doing there. I think you gotta. It's you gotta think about lines of communication. Every person you add, yeah, two lines. Two lines here, two lines here. And so you want it to grow with you. I think your bylaws can be flexible enough, sure. especially if you use the ones that Ark suggests, where you can, like you just said, it, you grow into it. But if you have too many people to keep too informed about yeah. all the stuff that's going on, you're going to forget something. And then what people do is when they feel like they're not communicated well with you, there's a gap that happens in the relationship. And you know what people begin to fill that gap with is cynicism and mistrust. Yeah. And that's what destroys leadership yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Max, what, what, what people are not up on, they're down on. Right. Yeah. And so you're not keeping them up on stuff. They normally lean that way. Tell me this. What, I mean, when you launched, when you planted your church, what you, what you knew, what you thought you knew about government, authority, bylaws, leadership of the church, what you know now, what would be your, your text? Yeah. To young 
yeah. young Patrick. Yeah. We did one thing we did right is we said we had an advisory team of pastors. So we had overseers, yeah. even though we didn't know what it was. But for a couple of years. But the problem, what happened to us is we got rid of that. And we just said, we're governing ourselves. Right? We don't need these. That was a mistake. You that think? was the mistake. Meaning that we didn't have any older pastors. Our movement was so young. We didn't have a lot of fathers. So we didn't have any, and we didn't have this model. We, the model was you do the advisory board for a couple of years, and then you grow your own, and you go. And then you're out, and then you, you do your own thing. I would, have all, I would have kept, I would have had those overseers from the beginning um, and, and just had a better understanding of. We had elder for life, too. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. I'm in print on this stuff. Don't ever read that part of my books. I mean, it's just. But there's got to be a reason behind it. Well, just the idea that you're called. Just like I'm called, you're called. We're all equal. Now, I'm the first among equals because I'm the communicator and the pastor and the the planner. But you're just as much an elder as I am. Right. Accountant, like guy. I mean, true. Like guy. True, but not true. Uh, So I think we did it very purely, trying to be accountable. Trying to raise up lay people, yeah. trying to, but at the end of the day, and almost all my friends, I just did an Acts 29 event last week, and on sale, several of my friends are moving towards the model I'm talking to you about right now. Yeah. Because as the church grows, it's very difficult. Tell, tell me about that. Talk about the evolution of government. Like when guys are first starting out, man, lean is lean is wise, less is best. Tell, talk, give, give me a minute on the evolution of it. Yeah, just I would just think that start small in the sense of, all right, I need – so if you look at this list and you go, I've got two for sure overseers that can really help me and one that I need to, like, see, test. Okay, so start there. Um, you probably don't have a ton of staff right now. you got a lot of volunteers. Uh, you may have some um, – um, trustee type people that's technically the word for the finance policies procedures facilities people uh, maybe you got two people you really trust there um, just start as small as you can sure. and give them stuff to do and see how they do like if you're uncertain about an overseer and you go I really don't I think I think my wife would connect with her wife let's say you've got you want to do some marriage thing with one of them test it I think they know what they're talking about the financial te- just like Use this as a testing thing, right? Um, but just don't. Well, I'm going to have my pastor on there, and then I'm going to pick. I'm going to get Dino and Pastor Chris and a bunch of four or five. You're going to try to go big on the overseer thing. Yeah, it's so a bad mistake. Good. You might catch Dino in a weak moment, and he'll agree to be your overseer. But yeah. I mean, yes, God. he's not calling you, right? He's not calling you. You need somebody who's going to be involved in your life, yeah. and so it's better to just. Be realistic, because sometimes try, people try to put big overseers on there because it raises more money too. Sure, that's another thing you can do. Which I'm not against raising more money, but you just gotta like gotta be honest about what you're it's doing. Not, it's not realistic. No. Yeah, I mean you could. Yeah, that makes it. You know, I um, I I used to be on. I used to be an overseer, Lord of everybody. I just suggest to everybody, and I stopped all that. I got off every board, and now it is. I, I really feel like it's serious. Because I know what an emergency or what a pain, how much time that takes. So I do about 10 or 12. Yeah. I think, and I'll do 10 or 12, and then I'll do three at-risk ones. Ones that are at risk or in emergency. And I'll say, I'll be with you one year as you navigate this pain or this emergency. Would you describe like what that would be like? It's, a, it's one year. Yeah, it what says, is that okay, you're like? asking me to come on for one year, 
and I need to know who else is with me. And I'm not going to do it if I have somebody that I'm going to conflict with. If you're asking me to come in because you're getting ready to go through uh, Death Valley, then I'm going to need to be the lead guy because I'm good. I have a stomach for the struggle. I'm Galatians 6.1. You want me when there's a pain or a problem. You want me showing up with your guys because I will set people in order and I can look at a grown banker and say, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been doing this 35 years. Keep your mouth shut. So I'm that guy in an emergency. So that's what it looks like. You And at that point, it's like, I'm going to need to lead this thing. And if you have another overseer that we can jive together, you know, I'm, I'm good with all that. But I'm going to go in and set something straight so we can get the church through this and we can get you through this and get your family through this. And uh, I'm in several of them right now. But the other day, someone asked me. So I stepped off of one of them. Guy asked me. I said, OK, he did something so cool. Dude. He sent me. I said, well, let me pray. But he said, well, let me send you. He, he sent me expectations. He sent me uh, kind of, we would meet three times a year. Here's, I loved it that he told me what he expects from That's me. Which I thought was, and he told me my, my, uh, my boundaries, which I thought was brilliant. Because a lot of times they'll ask you, yeah, and you don't know what, okay, what does it mean? So I love the idea of being able to say to your overseers, here's what that means. Here's, here's your responsibility. And then it gives you some, uh, some ground rules. Yeah. So I think it's a great idea for anyone that you that the, your overseers need to know their boundaries or where they best can help you. I tell guys when when they ask me overseer, I always say, "Let me be your fan. Let me be your guy." Okay, I, I don't really care about how I want to do the leadership, build the church. Let me be your guy. Yeah. I want to help you with your family, help you with your kids. I'm, I'm great on a compensation committee, so I'm on probably. 25 compensation groups because yeah. in the art world, we're constantly looking at compensations. So I'm, I'm good at compensation. Really, I tell guys, you probably want me being your compensation guy more than anything because I'm, I, I enjoy that part of it. So like, I love how you talk about categorize them. I think that is brilliant. Let me ask you this traveling. Um, what do you, what do you, do you feel like, um, you feel like this is the best model? I mean, I've just seen it now, I want to say seven times where it was a, it's crisis, is it? I mean, where it's the overseers had to really step in. Um, two of those times, the pastor was removed because of, he disqualified himself. Yeah. Uh, and, and, then, and, and then all those two times, there was a process for the, re- the restoration of the yeah. pastor. Yeah. The other five times it was exposed, there was kind of a coup thing going on. And that got handled. And so, you know, I just, the proof's in the pudding for me. I mean, I just, I think it's amazing. I don't think it's perfect, but it's the best that I've seen governance-wise. Because I I was working with a guy the other day, and he had a, a, I mean, he had a bad situation with somebody on staff. It was ugly. And he said, can you come down and meet and mediate the meeting? I said, sure, because I preach there once a year. On a Wednesday night, same Wednesday night every year, I'm preaching at that church. And then normally the day after I preach on Wednesday, I do staff meeting. So I'm around them, and I hang out and I hop out. So I had a little bit of an authority to step in because he didn't want to fire him by himself. And I told him, don't fire him by yourself. You, you, it will bite you because he has influence, he has visibility. If you fire him by yourself, you're going to pay. You better have somebody else to fire him, and, and let's go through those things. Um, the good news is the guy resigned the day before. <laughs> How many of sometimes you got to handle it? 
Sometimes they need to handle it, and sometimes the Holy Ghost handles it. I like when the Holy Ghost handles it myself, and so the Holy Ghost handled it uh, in that situation. Talk, talk a little bit about the pastor's role and responsibility, because I think it's important that they, they need to pick. I want to pick who these people are, what, 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 but what about the pastor's role and responsibility? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you got to know yourself, right, and um, pick— you know, all of us want to pick. Ministry is so hard. Mm-hmm. Planning a church is so difficult. Your greatest temptation is just to pick easy people. <clears throat> and so, I would encourage you. You got to have great chemistry, um, but don't pick yes people. Yeah, and just know yourself. And then some of you are gluttons for punishment, and you feel like you need someone that's that's <laughs> got a whip and is going to crack you into shape. And you probably need to pick some different kind of folks than that. Like you, you don't want everybody type a hard, you want some lovers on there. You want some fighters you want, but you just kind of got to know yourself. But I would just say, um, like if you look, I, I just listed those. That doesn't have to be counseling, financing, financial. Fin- what do you need? That's good. What do you need in an overseer? What, like you go, man, um, my marriage is probably the weakest. If you just wanted to look at my, you know, I'm, you know, like I'm speaking to someone. Okay, my devotional life's great. I really understand finances. I'm really good with um, structures. This is the weak link. So double down there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or if structure is your weak link, double down there. Yeah. Um, but just look, just do a ruthless examination of your own leadership strengths and weaknesses and try to, it's what we do anyway in a staff, right? We staff around our weaknesses. Do we not? Yeah. Why would we not do that with our overseers? Let's try to do that. Talk a little bit about compensation. Yeah. I mean, um, I would, you know, I I know different bylaws say different things, but I think uh, we're not going to know the same answer to this, but I think uh, the over, you should have an overseer that does your compensation. And, and pay attention to pay bands. There's an overseer. And so they're looking at Leadership Network and Lifeway and all these and going, hey, okay, here's the band. And and that, that your salary then is known to the overseers and maybe the trustees or one of the trustees. Yeah. But it's a di- you're in a different category with your compensation sure. than everybody else. The trustees... Um, are going to be all really deal with your staff, but you want one of your overseers dealing with you yeah. on that issue to make sure you're taken care of. Because most of the time, churches are going to underpay you, mm-hmm. and they don't get it. Yeah. That's just that's just the way it is. Or you find a trustee or, or elder that's really for you, and then they have to rotate off because of family thing, and yeah. then you're left. <clears throat> so it just kind of protects um, you. Protects you're the really process. Get insulated. Yes, and they're picking it. You're not yeah. setting your own. Yeah, it's it's that's very similar. Most guys, most overseer, most composition groups that I'm on, and this is reflective at Highlands and reflected at, I mean, you know, I'm on Randy's and on uh, uh, God, a bunch of them. But um, uh, you usually have an overseer who is selected to be one of the compensation, and then normally you're pulling in a trustee. And then some guys will pull in a lawyer that's from outside the church mm-hmm. or a pull in maybe someone else from outside the church or uh, or have 
or like for me, a lot, I'm not an overseer of Sean Nepstad. I've been invited to be a part of compensation. Yeah. I'm on, my only authority is compensation because I study it a lot. So that's kind of a, but he has someone in his church, an overseer, myself, and then their CFO is, uh, is, uh, is involved in some of the logistics of it and, and some of the conversations of it. Um, and then what we do is we, we do the independent compensation studies uh, for larger churches, churches that are smaller. You pull the life way, you pull those, you come in there. We normally tell everybody to, to, to kind of get around a 75 percentile. It's safe. I don't, you know, some guys are like, we want to do 50. I think that's way too low. A lot of guys will, will pick a 75 percentile number, but will approve up to 90 percent. You could do 100 percent if you want to. It's not the IRS does not care where you fall on there. They have no jurisdiction on what you pick. So that's a that's a fallacy that they say. So we'll a lot of compensation groups I'm on will will approve up to ninety percent because we may want to give you a bonus that year. You may grow the church like crazy. We want to we want so we'll do bonuses in that world, and then uh, or you may say I don't want it. Well, we'll make a note of that, and it could be retro based on a great year and you're building a house or you're you're trying to put your kids in college and we've made notes of that that where you may have said no to a raise or or you may want to defer that to retirement we go ahead and set it high where then we can we have a little bit of room in case you're in an emergency or something like that and all that is is there and then um uh but the pastor's not picking that he's not he's not choosing those things and then in most of them if the spouse is on staff, then we're doing the spouse too. Yeah. And it's that we're not letting the staff do that. That can get real weird. I would not want my staff or trustees deciding my wife either. I would want that compensation group to do that. And then a lot of guys will have their overseers involved with their executive team yeah. or, you know, but most guys are setting that. Most time a pastor and the CFO are navigating the staff yeah. and it's all privy. And, and, and normally the same rule applies. Everyone's in that 75 percentile. You know, when we were small or we were a smaller church, we had to bring people on as you go. Hey, I can't pay you what you're worth, but we're going to pay you this. If we have a good year, I'm going to help you more. I can start you as part time. We can start you as contract. We want to get you here. I mean, we've all done that. I did that when I started in ministry. So there's a there's a lot of navigating on that. But um, I'm a firm believer in. Uh, doing all we can for the pastor when the church gets to that point, you know, so there's, there's healthy, there's percentages you can look at and just, just use common sense and, and, and have some integrity as it relates to one more compensation. Thing. Yes. One more thing on that related, but unrelated. Um, <clears throat> you might want to have an attorney look at your uh, IP um, stuff on your sermons. Um, who owns your sermons? Yeah. So if, it, if you don't get a lawyer involved and say you own your sermons and you, you will license them to your church perpetually. In other words, the church can use them for whatever reason. If you don't do that, okay, and then you go to try to publish a book on your sermons or you try to do some, then it, it belongs to the church. It doesn't yeah, belong small to group you. Curriculum or something. Yeah, or whatever you do. So it may not be relevant, but if, if while you're doing all the stuff up front, if I were you, I would do that because because it's your work. 
Now, the argument is, well, he did it on church time and what and all that. But uh, most churches that, you know, that um, where, where pastors do resourcing like that have that IP agreement worked yeah. out. Now, and, and there's, you know, you can't sell your books for call. There's all kinds of stuff to protect where sure. you're not doing things shady. But, you know, like if you want to write, you leave your church, for instance, God forbid, or you get called elsewhere and you want to try to do something that you that preached on there, you want to do a, you want to do a written thing or you want to do a video, can't do it unless you get their permission. They can say no. So that's just something to think about as you're going forward. And I, one of the things I've talked to a lot of, of our planters, even in early stages in existing church, I think you need a overseer. I would never pastor, an, pastor a church today without an overseer that has a Galatians six one gift. Yes, they have to be on your team, and just because and just because they're an overseer doesn't mean they understand Galatians six one. You need somebody on there who understands, uh, who can handle an emergency, can handle restoration, understands what biblical restoration looks like. It may be for your son that gets arrested. It could be for your wife that is self-medicating. It could be for, your, for yourself uh, if there's an issue and you lose your temper. And you, I mean, I, you know, you cuss somebody out and accidentally somebody hears that. And now they're accusing you and you need somebody to come in who can navigate those things. Um, you almost need that guy that in case of emergency, break the glass. I just think that's important. There's someone in there that's going to gonna come in, understand uh, it's going to understand the family, uh, your, your, the dynamic of how you and your wife lead, um, and you know. Or and then I think that same person would need to know a tentative secession plan. Someone needs to know that. That even at your age, I would want someone still to know that if I drop dead, here's my wishes for the church. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but you know, is there some type of agreement for your wife? Uh, or does someone else get to, I mean, I've got a guy right now that the founder had a, had a, had a, they, they pastored church for 30 something years. He, he drops dead. New guy comes in. There was an idea that the wife would be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Finances get a little different. 15 months later, she's cut off. She gave 30 years of, that church, of her life to that church, but nothing in agreement, nothing in writing, nothing in the Bible. So there are things like that, that when, once the church begins to grow, that sometimes that is a privilege of the founder, but then also it is a privilege of tenure. And so I think those are important things. You know, when I pastor Healing Place, we had an agreement that my wife would be taken care of at a measure of our salary till she passed away. And so those are agreements that we had locked in a safe. Uh, John Seedling knew those things as my overseer. Uh, pastor Chris has those things um, uh, uh, in, in a safe and you know, there's a there's an overseer and a trustee who knows those wishes. We don't know those all those exact things. I know some of them. Uh, so to just make sure, because someone needs to be able to come in and defend that a little bit, yeah. um, if, if something like that was to take place. And uh, I think those things are important uh, to be considered. And I, I would I wouldn't lead a church without some of those those things in place. The other thing I would say is is that that overseer who's in that role. Um, Ought to be looking, thinking about your retirement stuff because yeah. you're not thinking about that as a young pastor. Sure. You're thinking, man, I, I want all my money going to pay my bills. You need to be thinking about retirement. So that's where they can really help you plan ahead and think ahead a little bit. Um, so if that if you feel the life force leaving your body every time I say anything about financial stuff, 
you need to find somebody that loves that, okay? Because that's not you, and so find somebody. It's interesting. I, I was talking. This happens a lot. It's I'll have pastors call me and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm pastoring this church. I'm doing well. Man, I haven't had a race in three years. Um, man, I, I just, I'm like, is anybody asking this question? Is anybody thinking about you? And you could almost feel a disappointment. Yeah. But but here's what I say. If you've not set that up or if you've not given somebody permission, then no one's thinking about that. No. You know, so there needs to be a overseer who thinks about that every October. Okay, what about you? What are we doing with you? Hey, call the call the CFO, call the trustee. Are we looking at his raise? Well, we didn't grow financially. Okay, great. Then we'll sort it through all that. Or you know what, man? We've taken a hit financially. Okay, great. And we've had a, a banner year, 40% increase in income. Okay, well then, man, I know the last three years you've not given your pastor a raise. Well, hey, let's talk about this. What about what about now being able to give a bonus? What about now being able to help with schooling because the child has special needs and now their their need has to, you know, somebody needs to be thinking and asking that question. Uh, there's uh, the guys who I oversee. I'll text them and say, hey, are you are you getting your Christmas bonus? Are you are you know are you getting a bonus this year? Are you, are you doing this? And, a lot of times, I'm like, man, nobody said anything to me about that. Mm-hmm. Or you just need someone thinking about that. So guess what? So you're not thinking about it, though. Because you don't want to be thinking about it. Because, uh, you know, that, that's not good either. You know, like, that's not healthy either. So let's do a little Q&A. we got a little bit of time. Uh, uh, yes, sir, Mr. Alonzo. Um, my question is, if things... So go back to your illustration. And, um, you know, setting up a dynamic where the pastor is protected from the church and the church is protected from the pastor. Um, and that, those three bodies that basically govern. I don't have three, I have two. But everything's good. Everything's healthy. How do you cultivate among a, a board of elders, so to speak, um, the need for maybe a shift, maybe a, a new direction in, the, in what we're talking about here today? Especially in light of the fact that there isn't anything on their horizon, you know, as lay leaders, mm-hmm. that could be some foreseeable bad thing. Um, how do you cultivate a heart in them? Let me understand what you have. So you have. So I have an elder board. Made up of a, a non-staff and yes. all lay, all lay, all lay, to, all lay leaders. Yes. Okay, and then you have a staff. And then staff. And none of them are elders, no. or none of them have authority. No. Okay, so you're under a board. Well, I would just say, um, <clears throat> well, functionally, can you really be as honest as you need to be with your board about what's going on in your life? Um, yeah, but things are healthy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah so because that that that's limited, not that doesn't work when there's a in wartime. Yeah, I would just say, listen, guys, you know, so I, I need a I need I need some older. We need how old are they? How old's your board? Are they all ages or? Are they? Uh, it's a spread, but they're yeah. all at least 10 years older than me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have an informal group of guys in my life who act as overseers, but not in a formal capacity like this with the church yeah. in Yeah. I would just say, you know, like, guys, if we had a crisis event, I, I think we would need help from the outside. I don't think we could solve if we got at loggerheads. I don't think we're equipped for that. Why don't we formalize a way to do that. And my wife and I need some older pastors in our lives that have done ministry 
there's certain things that pastors can talk to pastors about and only pastors. And we, we just need that and just try to help them understand. That's what I would do. And, and at the same time, you know, then I would have, I would figure out a way to make your staff as weighty in, in a lot of ways as that team. Cause right now you've got, you're underneath, they can fire you. Right. Right. You can't fire them though. Can you, how can you, how can you get rid of them? The board? Yeah. Um, I can choose. I can choose. You got a bad guy. How do you get him off? Uh, by majority of the board. So you'd have to have all of them vote. Yeah. I can get messy. Yeah, I would just say I learned about this. And, like, what if we brought some pastors in? Maybe you did a trial run and you just got some pastors interacting on your board level and then just kind of play, you know, kind of. But it's a the- if it's a. It, are if it's super theological for you guys in other words are they convinced you know that this is the biblical model okay well that's good you got room to move. that means you got room to move yeah yes, sir. You, i'm sorry whoever yeah. tino you should do. I, I'll, I'll moderate right here <clears throat> all right so my question is we, we planted 10 years ago and yeah. like you said we we didn't plan through art but we copy and pasted sure what you know so we've got three overseers over those 10 years, the same three. Um, two of them are not senior pastors. One's a pastor of a larger church. Um, and another's from an outside uh, business, a lot of business experience. My question is, like, could you speak more to that need, or do you feel that need and needs to be a senior pastor or a former senior pastor in that role? And then number two, like, how do you go through that, that transitioning others in and them off? Yeah. In a graceful way. I would only say is I think you give that expectation right from the beginning. Hey, guys, this. And I, I, I think there's always a good thing. Every two, three years, we're going to renew this. We're going to look at this again. Okay. It's a renewal. So, like, yeah. for me, most boards that I say yes to, it's a two- to four-year agreement. So you just up front, hey, I'd like for you to do this for two. Everybody's two. You did life. I, we always did two to four. Pastor Chris says two to four. Uh, so far, it has is where you could... You could rotate it, or someone who says, "You know what?" And I've enjoyed it, but it gives them an out too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely would not have overseers. And remember, Darren and I are saying the same thing. But when I say overseers, we don't use the word elder in, in the Highlands world yeah. because of it. Just gets everybody freaked out. Most people can't handle the word elder. They just start just thinking something that. Next thing you know, man, they've grown another head, and there's like another arm that's come out over here, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So we're careful in our language, but then um, I just wouldn't want, um, I just need spiritual, I need somebody spiritual, and somebody who's done what I have done and deals with what I deal with, so I could never imagine having an overseer group that there was not a pastor on it. I don't think you have to have all pastors. No, I just think it's preferable because, once again, if you're going to have them in the church preaching, teaching, yeah, true. that kind of thing helps. But I, a business guy? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had I, a business I don't, guy. I don't think that's yeah. terrible. No. Yeah. Back here. Yeah, so just uh, want to clarify terms for a minute. So when you use the term trustee, uh, would you sort of equate that with deacon? Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge of elder deacon. It's it's uh, they're not paid. Uh, they are uh, they're non-paid. So so how would you? We're, we're only doing semantics. We just don't like the word elder. 
because the word in El- the, the elder word in Birmingham is a problem. Yeah, so, so it's a total semantics, logistic, conditional word for us. Right. So I'm just trying to understand where you make the distinction between overseers and then Paul continues to talk about uh, deacons, you know, in the same way deacons, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. We're going to let the theologian handle that one. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to which text you give priority to, you know, and so that would be a question of, you know, do we do we believe? I mean, he wrote letters to all the churches. He did not name elders and deacons in every letter. And there's a reason. There's there's some reasons I could give you why might maybe that was so. So I, I don't know that we can say, you know, Titus and Tim, you know, Ty, really Timothy. I don't know that we can say every church should have those things formally. Uh, and I look at the, what's going on globally in the church where the church is exploding in China, Latin America, and some of these other places. They don't have these kind of arguments about elder deacon, that kind of thing. It, it doesn't seem like it seems like we have imported a version of American corporate life onto the church in some ways in the way we talk about and try to have, have labels for everything that I don't know are helpful. But I think you could use them if you wanted to call the trustees deacons. If that, you know, I think that could be a deal. And you wanted to call like the pastoral staff elders, and then you wanted to have, you know, Presbyterians do ruling elders and teaching elders um, as they try to do that. And then they have a presbytery over. This is a Presbyterian model. If you, you go back to church government, they have only its pastors in the presbytery that serve as the overseers. But it's the same thing, except we're saying it's pastors we know. Or business leaders we know and trust to lead us. So uh, a Baptist, more Baptist model is, or, or you know, non-Presbyterian model is basically where you have your own. Everything's equal, kind of like what he who was describing that you were describing that, and and then so this is more of a Presbyterian model. Only you're naming your overseers instead of the Presbytery telling you who they are. Yes, sir. How. Um... How official do you make your overseers as far as, like, um, how do you set them in? Do you, do you write up contracts? Do you write up provision, expectations? Do you have anything to write? Do you have to sign anything? Are they in the bylaws or whatever? I, mean, I would put them in your minutes. I think it'd be good to have, I mean, I think you're going to have to have, I mean, the role of the overseers in your bylaws, how they're selected, how they're removed. But I think it's such a relational covenant, spirit-born spirit-led relationship that it is a relational ask and it is sustained by relationship. So, so I think that's super important. How do you connect your, maybe your uh, trustees with your overseers? I, 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 like you said, I'd bring them in. They'd preach. would have lunch. I used to bring my overseers in when John Seaman would come in to preach. I'd have my guys there. We'd have a meal together. And, you know, it was highly relational, highly uh Flo, what's up, my man? Hey, let's introduce everybody around the room. It's Pastor John. Let me tell you what he means to me. Let me tell you how important he is in my life. Uh, if I got him up to preach that Sunday, I'm going to say, Darren, it's here. He, this is who I'm submitted to. This is who oversees my soul. This is who is going to is watching out for my family. And thank you for serving our church. Thank you for serving me. He's going to get up. If he's got any sense, which he does, and it's going to say, what an honor it is. One of my, I just was at a church and I'm overseer. My first five minutes was, was giving context to that relationship, clarifying to the church the role that I have in Chris Van Burskirk's life. And let me tell you something. I get to see the money. I'm involved. I talk to him every other week. 
Hey, church, you're in a safe place. I'm proud of this young man right here. And I'm proud of this integrity of this church as an overseer. Well, it, it, again, 90% of the people in there don't care. They got to go to soccer. They got the washing machine broke. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. I'm going to relieve you right now. The people in your church are not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So I know we all think they're thinking about us. And when we get done preaching all day long, they're meditating on our messages. No, they're not. They're going grocery shopping. Your overseers are protecting your church from your pastor in case something goes. I don't love that type of language, but yes. So, so the protocols need to be there so everybody can yeah. get through. I don't think so. Again, and the bylaws got, all spell that out. Yeah, exactly. It's so clear but, in the bylaws. If, but, but if it's not what you said something in, in the beginning, if there's not that relation, relational glue, it doesn't yeah. work well yeah. with, with anything. With your trustees, your Yeah, because all of a sudden now, you're, now your wife has gone out and got arrested with a DUI. And the media is on your front doorstep. And they're wanting to know what you're going to do. And now you're going to call the overseer hadn't been there in eight years. He's going to show up and try to navigate when you got somebody on staff thinks you ought to be fired. And you got another trustee that's wanting to know what we're going to do. And now you're going to call on an overseer hadn't been there forever. Or that's you, not going to work. Or all you have is lay overseers with full time jobs oh God, and kids trying to trying to deal with that situation by themselves. Yeah. That's an extreme thing. But the point is be nice to have some older men of God who've walked through these fires with experience and who are on the outside. Because yeah. what, what happens is if a pastor sends uh, the wounded sheep oh my gosh. are not able to do the restoration. You have to have somebody. I'm just telling you, you have to have somebody. And so this is almost like crisis management here. It's preventative in the sense if you've got the right overseers, they're helping you grow personally. But then also if all hell breaks loose, they're either saving the church from you in the sense if you go crazy or they're helping save you to lead the church so that it can fulfill its redemptive potential. And I would say this, that's what we do at our, I mean, one of the things that Darren does for us is give so much wisdom in this year. He's seen it all. He's a theologian. He understands biblical order. So if you have more questions, we need to wrap this up. Yep. He'll stay here I'll with stay. you. And then he's available. I mean, this is, Absolutely. you know, if I was pastor of church right now and I was sorting out government, I'd bring Darren in for a day to help me navigate some of this. This is what he does, and he's an expert in this area. Thank you so much yep. for what you do. For we hope you enjoyed this session from the ARC Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations, and to register for an upcoming art conference, visit artconference.com.